Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Selah Fellowship podcast of our Wednesday services. We are currently studying through the book of Exodus. Please open your Bibles to Exodus as we dive into our study this evening. So we're in Exodus 32. We've been uh, traveling through the book Exodus, and uh, we've been on the mountain for about 40 days and 40 nights now. And as Tyler taught last week, he he taught about... uh, the Sabbath, and he taught about um, uh, the stones that God kind of did the jackhammer with the finger and did the stones. And um, we've seen miracle after miracle, and we've seen great, mighty works of God. And so now where we're coming to is chapter 32. And what I want to do is I want to read the, the chapter entirety in its entirety, and then we'll, we'll dive in, Okay. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molten calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they... Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink, and then they rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people whom you you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf. And worship it and sacrifice to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, and that brought you out of that land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of I will give your descendants, and they shall inherit forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides. On the one side and on the other they were written. Now the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. 
And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, It is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. So it was as soon as he came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hand and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf which they had made, burned it uh, in the fire, and ground it to powder. And he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? So Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people. They are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us God so that he shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And I said to them, Whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire, and this calf came out. Hello. Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them, to their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to what the word of Moses and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said, Consecrate yourself today to the Lord, that he may bestow on you a blessing this day. For every man has opposed his son and his brother. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin. So now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make an atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Now, therefore, go lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in that day, when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon their sin. So the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf with which Aaron made. Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, you know that as uh, I studied up, Lord, and prayed up, I, I asked God that you would show up, that you would speak to all of us, and that you would bring it all together, what you would have us to hear today, tonight. And we just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, all the miracles. Man, it started out in Egypt. All the plagues, all the things that they witnessed. Every plague that represented all these gods, God, he duped them. He overpowered them. 
the water. They, they crossed the Red Sea onto dry ground. God made the bitter water sweet. He made manna from heaven, bread from heaven. He gave them quail, flesh to eat, provision for them. One miracle after a miracle after a miracle. And by the way, in bondage for 400 years and just a little over three months since this has all taken place, we find them doing what they're doing. And so as I'm reading this, and I know in, in uh, Romans 15 it says that... Um, Let me just look at it here. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. These things written in the past, like the Old Testament, were put there so that we could learn from them. So as I'm looking at this and the way I look at it, I go, how could they do that? How could they witness so much in such a short period of time the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, the, the billow of smoke going on upon the mountain where God came down and lit it on fire, and it was a constant. How could they get to this point? And so as I, I began to read, because I, I believe for you and I, God wants to show us something about ourselves here. It's easy for us right away to read and go, dude. What a bunch of losers. I can't believe it. After all they've seen, gosh, how could they blow it like that? But here's what I do know. You know that hymn? Prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. You and I, outside of Christ's forgiveness and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, are just like them. We're wretches capable of doing the very same things that they do. Matter of fact, we do in a different way. But there's three things, there's a few things that I want to look at that I I believe will be applicable to us and what they did. Number one, they took their eyes off the Lord. They took their eyes off the Lord. Number two, they took matters into their own hands. Number three, Wait, forgive me. Number two, they became impatient. Number three, they took matters into their own hands. And there's another one in there. I believe that they they got focused on man and not God. So how did they take their eyes off the Lord? The Lord's presence, again, they're being provided for every morning, right? With the manna, the dew from heaven, yeah? They see that pillar of cloud that Moses went into 40 days and 40 nights ago. How in the world did they get get their eyes off the Lord? How? How do we? How do we get our eyes off the Lord? They get busy about their things and they get wrapped up in their, their livestock or whatever it is and they become dull to what God's trying to do. They're not spending any time with them in the morning. Just like you and I. We can get so busy. I can get so busy, so wrapped up in my, my grass that I'm planting in the backyard. My trees. Right? Honey, did you water the grass? We've got to put some more peat moss out there. and You've got to mow the grass. Nathan 
He's going to mow the grass, make sure he did it right. I get obsessed with little things, things going on at Mudman. It's busy. We got the health inspection coming up, and there's all kinds of things going on. You know what I mean? And we're busy, busy, busy in the ministry. Things are going on busy, 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 busy. And then on the free time, I'm spending time with the family, this and that. And what happens is, subtly, not purposefully, subtly, God gets the rest. And my eyes get taken off him and get focused on the temporal things in life. And so I believe that this is what happened to them. This is the first step for them to become to such an idolatrous people to forget everything that just happened to where they would build a calf. And so when they take their eyes off the Lord and you and I take our eyes off the Lord, we became dull in our thinking spiritually. And we're just going through the motions. Yes, we're doing good works, which God's, and we don't, and we're not even really in it. We're just busy, busy. Can anybody testify besides me? And so it's real subtle. Yes, we're, we're, we're doing a good thing. But the main thing is him. And to have our eyes, our hearts, and minds focus on him. Some of the young people are here. One of the biggest things I share is, dude, I'm 56 years of age. Out of all the things that I've witnessed, I got something for you that, that really, if you can get this, because I don't, I don't have it down. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love people. And let him deal with the rest. Because you and I, we tend to mess things up. But if we could just learn to love him, devote ourselves to him, then we won't be derailed like these people. I have seen it in my own life. I'm be transparent with you. Yeah, praise the Lord, I surrender all, you know, look at, let's go. And then we're going to do this, we're going to mow the grass and this and that. And it's 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 busy. Number two, they became impatient. Anybody get impatient here? I I do. They became impatient because they wanted, and I get this on a human level, I, I get this. They, we live by faith, not by sight. So many times we don't understand what God's doing, or he might be silent, or he's shown you something he's going to do, but it hasn't taken place yet, and it's been two years, and you're still waiting. You know what I'm saying. You, you, you become impatient. They have been in bondage for 400 years. All of a sudden, this, all this is happening. They want something they can touch. They want something they can see. Does, does that make sense, anybody? Anybody relate? We always, God, and let me just confess, a lot of times I end up dealing with circumstances and looking at circumstances rather than trusting him and his promises and his word. All the promises that he had already given them, the Ten Commandments in, in Exodus 20, all the, the things that he wanted them to do were wiped out. They became impatient because I believe they wanted to bring God right there in their presence. And so you got a group of people that have been raised in idolatry with all these different idols so sure, 
let's, let's just do what we know, right? And so that's another thing that happens. So they build the calf. And the same thing can happen to you and I. They end up doing things by the flesh. You become impatient. You've been told God wants to do something in you, and it's been two years of time, and the next thing you know, you're going to start helping God out. And you start making moves and start doing things out of God's will or going ahead of them, and the next thing you know, you end up bankrupt or hurt even worse, and then may even end up being mad at God. Why did you allow this to happen? Well, because you got impatient. You didn't wait. You didn't trust. So the whole time this is going on that they're being impatient, we just read about God was talking about the building of the tabernacle, the dimensions, the furniture, all of that so that he could be present right in their midst. So you and I, if God, we're waiting on God to do a work or something in your life and we get impatient, he's working. He's working. They didn't even know that he was working him and Moses up there working on the the tabernacle to be in the presence. Same thing with you and I. God, do you even even see? Do you even hear? Do you even know? Do you even care what's going on, Lord? What's going on? So they become impatient. They take their eyes off the Lord. They become impatient. And just like with Aaron, poof. There's a, a golden calf. And, and they break the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And he didn't want him to create any, any images in his behalf. And that was, I don't know how long ago chapter 20 was, 20 was in timeline. It was very brief. They had already forgotten all that. They're blindsided by taking their eyes off the Lord, by being impatient, and then taking matters into their own hands. And, and I've done that in my life. You take matters in your own hands, and um, we want things now. We want it all now. Right? I want it all now. Gosh, you guys are young. And yeah, I want it now. You got plenty of time, trust me. But we want everything done like this. Let's go, God. Like Pastor Mike would talk to you about it. I mean, he's he's like go, go, go. Go, go, go. Go, 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 right? He wants he wants to get the stuff going now. But so but times the Lord wants us to be still and be quiet and wait upon him. So we take matters into our hands. We take our eyes off the Lord. We became impatient. And the fourth thing that I, I want to see here is that you look at it right here. It says, um, Moses delayed a coming down from the mountain. And it says, um, Make us gods, go before us, for as this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't, basically, we don't know what's happened to him. So even right then and there, read into that. They're not even giving God the glory for rescuing them from Egypt. They're, they're, they're looking at Moses. When they got outside, when they crossed the Red Sea, 
They were singing songs to the Lord. They were praising Yahweh. They were praising God. Right? And then back in, uh, I think it's 2418, don't quote me, it's somewhere right back there, but they, they said that the, everything that you, will, that you say we will do, right? And then they find themselves doing what they're doing. But the reason why is, I, I believe, is one of the reasons is because they were looking at man. They had lost sight of God in such a brief time. Now, on their behalf, they're not indwelt with the Holy Spirit like you and I. You and I, when we're heading off in the right direction, the Holy Spirit goes, no, 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 don't do that. The Holy Spirit came alongside of, that, of them in that time and came upon them in power, but didn't indwell. It wasn't until Jesus came, died for our sins, and arose from the dead that the Holy Spirit was sent, that now you and I. So we're blessed, right? If we're walking down that road like this and God's going like this, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. It's a, it's a constant. You know you're doing something wrong. Not trying to, I'm not trying to lighten what they did, but they were in a different picture than you and I. But what happens to you and I in this day and age if we look to man? Now, don't get me wrong. We have godly leaders, men that are in charge, men that are placed to help guide us into the things of the Lord. That's all good. But you read about it all the time, or you hear about it all the time, of these guys that God chooses to use. They become willing. And God does miraculous things through these guys. Churches explode. And God's doing wondrous things, right? And the next thing you know, that person falls or makes a mistake. And, and, and there's a train wreck, right? Same thing. It's a challenge for you and I. Yes, honor those that are in leadership in, in, in that thing. You've got to hear my heart. But you have direct access to the throne room of God, and you're to put him first and foremost above everything and anybody. So I see, and I believe that they, they, they took their eyes off the Lord, and they're looking at a man as if he, yeah, he's the vessel, but he certainly didn't bring them out of Egypt. He certainly didn't make the waves part to walk through. He didn't create the food. He didn't create a cloud and a fire by night. Where's the Lord? Very subtle. And I might be overbearing on it or going on too long, but it, it's possible for you and I to do that. And next thing you know, we're way over here. God's going, what are you doing? And we're way over here. We've walked away because of these things. So, number one, We have to stay close to God. We have to give him time that he needs. You know, a lot of times, I'll be straight with you, 5.30 in the morning, I I get up, man, I got to be at work at 6.30. Sometimes I'm running late. Lord be with me. (laughs) And that's it. And if we get a prayer in the morning. But I'm talking to him throughout the day. You know, my wife will challenge me. What did the Lord show you today? I've been talking to him all day. Did you have any time in his word? I've been talking to him all day. (laughs) 
But really, that's the key, is to really somewhere, somehow in our day, to have that time with him, to acknowledge who he is and, who, and how powerful he is, and what he means to you in your life. Right? That's number one. I don't have patience down. I wish I had the answer other than just walk by faith. And if God has shown you that he's going to do something in your life and he's given you a promise in his word, stand fast with it. Be patient. And I know it's been said here for a lot of the young, young kids that, you know, you, you feel called and you have these giftings. Be patient. God sees. He totally sees, wants to use those giftings. For whatever reason, you haven't been able to use those giftings they will. I don't know if the Lord's speaking to you here tonight. We're all created by God and for God for his good pleasure. And he wants to do a mighty work in you and through you. As we make ourselves available. And don't take matters in, into your own hands. You'll mess it up. You will. God's... If we really believe God is in control of this, this ball, an invisible axis spinning around, not too close to the sun that we fry, not too co- far away that we freeze, and, in, and the Bible says in Jesus all things consist, means hold together. If we really believe that, then we, we can believe that he's got everything in hand when it comes to our lives. I struggle with that. Today, and I've been walking with the Lord a long time. Renee and I would be talking about issues or things, and, I've, and I end up whining and going, why can we're not doing this? Or how come he's not showing up in this? But the truth of the matter is God is faithful, and he will be faithful and true to his promises. So let's not get ahead of him, behind him. Just stay with him, and he'll work it all out. So those are the four things that I see that that started this whole thing off, okay? That we need to keep check in. Then we got to get to Aaron. Wow. Aaron. Aaron, he got to wit he was there from the beginning. You know, Moses was scared. I can't speak. I, I can't talk in front of people. So Aaron gets called in the picture. Wasn't it Aaron's staff that was used and was turned into a snake? Wasn't he the one that's in the chamber when you watch the Ten Commandments and he's in there, right? He's in there getting in the Pharaoh's court. He's witnessing miracle after miracle after miracle. So here's two things that I see. Aaron, and this will... We all operate in this. We all have some of these. Well, I know we do. He operated in fear. Or he was a people pleaser. Or he just wanted to be liked and accepted. Right? You and I are called to stand for God in a world that hates him. In a world that hates him, wants nothing to do with him, we're called to take a stand for him. Did Aaron take a stand? No, he didn't. 
Was he a people pleaser? Yeah. Did he operate in fear? Yeah. Man, you got that many people coming to you? Oh, gee, where's Moses? He normally deals with all this. Uh, you know, he gets, he gets the one to make the decision. He goes, yeah, go ahead. Get the gold. And so what I want to share with you is Peter, we know in fear. Look at Peter, the rock, right? He ends up denying Christ. He stood for him. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. And the next minute he's saying, get behind me, Satan. And then the next minute he's denying the Lord out of fear. Because they were beating him to a pulp and they were dragging him away. So he denied him. Elijah took out 400 of the false prophets. And the next thing you know, he's running for his life because of Jezebel's threats. Fear is very real. Yeah, gang? We have all dealt with that. I freak out every time I come up here. Fear. I got to work through it. Lord, this has nothing to do with me. This is all about you. You're going to show up. Lord, please help me. I'm freaking out. For a week. But we all operate in fear at times, but we need to give that to the Lord. Perfect love cast out all fear. Some of you here, and I'm not downing you, might be people pleasers. You just want to make sure that you don't want to rock the boat at all. You just want to make sure that everybody's happy, and 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 also it goes hand in hand that you're liked and accepted. Renee and I, when we moved up here in '97, Pam. 97, and I might have shared this story with you. Man, we, there was a church right down the street we were going to. I lived on 5th and Summers, right? That Army Brown house, we rented it. And we were able to walk to church, and we showed up. All the people were our age. Dude, this is happening. They all got kids, they're our age, and this is a nice church. I'm in Whitefish, Montana. Didn't even know this place existed. It's beautiful, small town. So I go to this party. It was a church party. We go to this party and all of a sudden, and I look over and the blender's going. And I look over there and I see a bottle of Jose Cuervo. (laughs) And I went like this. I looked at Renee and I go, I think they're mixing margaritas. Now, you have to know something. Pastor Mike says, Kevin, these guys don't walk like you and I. They go to church on Sunday and Wednesday, but then they live like the devil. And so, honestly, in my mind, this is the life that God brought me out of. Man, I, I want to be used. That was my mind fed. I wasn't stumbled by the... I was a little shocked. <laughs> You just took the punchline. <laughs> I'm on the phone. Okay, look at me. So I, Renee and I, Renee and I leave the night. Go. That was a trip, right? But I'm, I'm going. Okay, Lord, this is what you have for me because I'm going to be mingling with these people and we're going to be rubbing elbows, right? And I'm going to be able to take a stand for what is right. 
So Pastor Mike calls me from the road. This is when Mike and Pam, they traveled eight months of the year. He calls me from the road and goes, hey, how was that party? I said, man, it was great. I said, there was a little, a little something that went on. And he goes, what's that? I said, man, they were drinking margaritas. He said, what? I said, yeah, but you told me that these people, you know, they live by the devil. You know, I'm, God's going to use me. He goes, not those people. They're the worship team. That was it. That was Needless, hey, needless to say, everybody knows Pastor Mike. The issue was addressed immediately with the leadership of the church. And so what happened is that Renee and I started getting phone calls and things like, uh, well, we're sorry we caused you to stumble. You know, Romans 14, um, we didn't know that you couldn't handle it. And I'm going, wait a minute, hold on. God was going to use me. I, I'm cool, you know, that thing. That was my attitude. And I remember, and this is very personal, and I can share this. I believe it would be all right with Renee. We are at a point to where the, the church and some of these leadership, they started leaving the church. And we were the self-righteous hypocrites that came from California. And I'll never forget it. I, I, I will never forget it. Renee was laying on the bed weeping because we just moved. We left our family in California. We're now the self-righteous hypocrites judging these people. They've had a good thing going on up here until we showed up. And I'll never forget this. God, it was, it was I, I guess, inaudible. It was, my, it was inward. He said, are you going to serve me? Are you going to serve man? It's been a lot of my ministry to this day to help me stand ground for truth in the things that the Lord has shown me. Is it easy? No. I want you to say something. No, Lord, no. Not now. Until my heart started beating out of the chest, I know that he wants me to stand for what is right and for what is true, regardless of what people think, regardless of the outcome. You know, standing for the truth doesn't always get a pat on the people that you're dealing with. Hey, thanks a lot, man. That was great. A lot of the times, like, who do you think you are? You just flip burgers. Or whatever. But here's what I want to get out of this. We're all called to stand for the Lord. Aaron didn't. He didn't stand for the Lord. He was a weak leader. He was more concerned about himself and what people thought or fear. I get it. I've blown it in both all of the areas. <laughs> I get it. I get that. But when it comes to the things of the, of, of the Lord, and he's laid it out clearly, ask, ask some of the guys. The joke is at, at Mudman restaurants like this, you got a minute? And they, we all start laughing because I don't even see that in myself. But it's like this. When I got something serious to say and it's something to stand about, got a minute, and we just walk outside or we have private right call. But my encouragement 
If you're a people pleaser here, I get it. But fine tune that into where you don't do it to where it causes sin. Does that make sense? There's nothing wrong with pleasing people and making sure that you're loving them and happy. But it is when you compromise the truth. Yeah? Same with the fear. All I can tell you in my, in my years of walking on this ball, the more you get to do it, and I've shared this before. I remember Patrick Dozler was a pastor up here, and I go, I'm talking to Mike. I go, dude, I just want to be used by God. I'm on fire, you know, all this and that. And we go to dinner with Patrick Dozler, who was a pastor. He goes, hey, Kevin, I want you to do communion this Sunday, can you? I went, no. <laughs> no way. I'm not doing that. I can't do that. Why? Because I was freaking out. No way. And then I told Pastor Mike about it on the phone, and he goes like this, God knew you would say no. Don't say no next time. But we do dumb things out of fear. So my encouragement for you and my encouragement to me is to keep walking forward with the fear. Peter got out of the boat and walked on water. The rest of the guys in the boat were just as much saved as he was. But he walked on water because he didn't operate in fear. The guys, other guys were going like this, freaking out, right? So my encouragement is every situation that comes our way is, is different, and we deal with it with God's power and his strength to get us through. And the next thing will happen with you, I guarantee you this, is you'll be able to go on to the next one and the next one and the next one that he has because he wants to, he wants to grow us up. Amen? So, Aaron, and then we, we go down here in, uh, um, and Aaron, in verse 2, And Aaron said to him, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of the wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. Boy, this guy, and he's, he's in heaven, right? Yeah, I think, he, yeah. So I don't want to trash him, but the sad thing about this is that his name and this example is, is for all to see. It didn't go out without consequences, not only did it cause the people to die, this and that, but his name is, is to be written in this negative tone. So where I'm going with this is that he not only does all this, but all the gold that they gathered, that was meant for the tabernacle. That was meant for God's house and his furnishings. Instead, they're, they're making a molden calf. I, it, it's sad to see, but fear People pleasing, not taking a stand. It would have been a better story if he says, No, I will not sin against the Lord. And maybe they bind him up and put him on the thing, the fire. You know, whatever. But still, he would have went down a hero. But instead, he just let these people have their way. And we can't do that. If we see somebody struggling... Man, our heart is to, to help them with the truth and, and, and to move them along. But even that takes a stand, doesn't it? It takes a little confrontation. Right, brothers and sisters? 
to do that with each other rather than just letting things go by the wayside and everybody likes me, everything's cool, right? (laughs) But really, and I've been guilty of that in my life. It stinks. Let's go on. Verse 4, and, er, and he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. They said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. So here's another thing, poor Aaron. He tries to... He totally blows it, totally defies what God says in the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, don't create any images made out of gold, the whole bit. This is all paraphrased, by the way. He blows that, he takes the gold from the tabernacle, and then he tries to make it like it's okay. Because what this says here is, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord, which is Yahweh. So he hasn't forgotten who God is. But he's breaking the commandment. He's bringing in something defiled and all this and that and trying to bring it in with God. It doesn't work. I got another example for you. Newly saved. Mike and I chatted a lot when he was on the road. Pastor Mike. I went with a friend who wasn't saved, and I was born again, okay? I'm really rough around the edges. It took a long time. But I went to Tahoe with him. I used to gamble a lot. (laughs) Sorry. And so I get up to Tahoe, and this has never happened. And by the way, I needed the money. I get up to Tahoe, and I won like $800 in 20 minutes. This never happens. Dude, I'm on the roulette table and I put a chip on and it pays eight to one. And when I hit the number right next to it, I'm going, there's like $300. Then I walk over to the blackjack table and I'm doubling down on a $100 chip and I'm winning. And my friend is in the, in the sports bar making bets. And I said, dude, let's leave and I'll buy you dinner. Let's leave now and I'll buy you dinner. So I get home. Pastor Mike calls me two days later. <laughs> huh. Kevin, how are you doing? I said, dude, you're not going to believe it. I said, I needed the money so, to, so bad. I was broke. I went to, with my friend Henrik to Tahoe, and I won 800 bucks, man. It's so the Lord, isn't it? And he went like this, dude, are you kidding me? That's not the Lord. You had no business going to, to Tahoe. But what I'm getting at with that is that I, I used it, and I believed it. I used the money. It paid my bills. But I went into an area that I should have never compromised. We see Aaron doing the same thing here. Now he's trying to say, well, it's a golden cat, but we're still worshiping God, right? No, not the way he wants you to. And by the way, this this stuff that's going on, this party, some of the commentaries, when I look at it, it, it's 
one of them said that it was like orgies. Dude, this is these woo, drinking and getting drunk and, and the whole thing, margaritas and everybody's naked and they're dancing around, worshiping the Lord. Pretty sad. And Aaron's like this, what do you think of the calf? That he made with his hands and then tried to make it as if this is a good thing. Sad to where this is where this has ended up. Um, so verse six, then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat, drink. And again, they rose up to play. We just discussed that. And the Lord said to Moses, go get down for your people who you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Isn't that something? Look how God turned the tables there. Here's your people down there. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn, not against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. You know what I see right there when I saw that? Really, Lord? You still make me a great nation? Toast them. Get rid of them. That works for me. Right? Here's something that I looked at. Back in the earlier chapters, Moses fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Who else did in the Bible? Jesus. And so I looked at this. I go, well, this is not really a temptation. It was down there. I think in both areas. And this is just conjecture my opinion but i i believe this was a test from the lord to see where his heart and his allegiance lied is it going to be with him or is it going to be about yeah man all right i'll go down with my people i'll take care of it we'll be back lord and see if we can work it out with you i'll go talk to my people but it's not the way he responded Verse 11, then Moses pleaded with the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land, whom your people who you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to, to, excuse me, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all this land I, I have spoken of. I give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he had said he would do to his people. The Lord relented, or the Lord knew all along that Moses, this is, this is the beauty we can look at at Moses. 
This is the beauty that you and I get to look at as as we spend time with the Lord day in, year after year, and continue to walk through hardships and whatever life has, still with the Lord. He made this guy that was afraid to talk in front of people. Now he's creating him into a mighty shepherd. Look at, he's pleading for for these people. They just made a, a, a total mockery of God and, and the things of God, but yet he's pleading with them, Lord, please have mercy upon them. And I can see God going, well done. I relent. I won't do that. Good news, hope for you and I. He who's began a good work is faithful to complete it. He'll get us there, Amen. So it says, and Moses turned and went down from the mountain. Yeah, and Moses, verse 15. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain, and the two tablets of the testament were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides, on the one side and on the other they were written. Now the tablets were work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people, Joshua was at the base of the mountain. He was kind of like the guard or whatever. I'm not going to go there, but he was down there. He wasn't in the camp. Um, He heard the noise of the people as they shouted. He said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the noise of a shout of victory, nor the noise of a cry of defeat, but it sounds like singing I hear. So it was as soon as he came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf which they had made, burned it in the fire, and ground it to powder, and he he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink of it. Here's another beautiful thing about hanging out with the Lord. The more that we hang out with the Lord, the things that offend Him begin to offend us. Isn't it true? The things that dishonor Him, it dishonors us. It saddens us. So I see God didn't have to take care of it because Moses went down there filled with the love of the Lord and the righteousness that God has And he's angry. Who else did that? I remember Jesus did that. Jesus came and turned over the tables of the money changers and let all the animals go because of of a righteous anger that he had. Because of what they were doing, misrepresenting God and who he was. So Aaron said, verse 22, Do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people that they get are set on evil. It was the woman you gave me, Lord. Right? Adam did the same thing. I, I try to come up with uh, examples. I'm sure I've done that a hundred times, but I'm, I'm losing brain cells. I couldn't remember. You know what I'm saying? We, we walk long enough... We've all done stuff like this. It's the other guy's fault. Oh, yeah. There's stuff that's happened at work. 
well, wait a minute, you know, they didn't do this and that. That's probably what happened. And then everybody turns on this person over here, and you're like, that's not cool. That's not good at all. Verse 23, for they said to me, make us gods that shall go before us as far as this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt. We do not know what has become of him. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me and I cast it in the fire and this calf came out. I mean, he's not even repentive. They're not even an inkling of repentance. Oh, dad's home. Party's going on. There's a molded calf. Dad walks in. He's ticked off. It just came out. I mean, that's silly. This is a grown man. Sad. I mean, Moses is going like this. Dude, you're my bro. I can't believe this. You're killing me. Verse 25. Now when... So here, I want to touch on this again before I go on. Okay, I better pick it up. Unrepented heart. If we don't have any repentance, we're going to keep going down the tube. We need to change. Repentance is doing a 180, yeah? And some of us have done things over and over again we still struggle with. I'm not trying to condemn you. But each time it's like, Lord, help me. I'm going this way, yeah? Repent or perish. Repent or perish. And that's what's happening. These people are unrestrained. Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them, to their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Here's another another foreshadowing of what Jesus did. That's the way I see it. He's at the camp And he's given the people a choice. This is God Almighty through a man giving the people a choice. Not because he's a killjoy and he just wants to toast a bunch of people. Those who are with me, come to me. Those that want me, come to me. He's given them a chance even that. He gives you and I a chance, the choice. We have a choice. He'll never force us to do anything. He'll never violate your choice because that, or take your free will away. So you and I have a choice all the time to come to him or not. And so it reminds me of the cross when I see Jesus saying, come to me. I'm trying to hurry up. You guys are falling asleep. I'm looking at some of you going, oh, wow. And he said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let every man put his sword on his side And go in and out from the entrance. Wait a minute, I skipped something. Oh, yeah. Whoever's on the Lord's side, come to me. And all all the Levites gathered themselves to him. Okay? The Levites. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man... Kill his brother, every man his companion, every man his neighbor. Sad. So the sons of Levi did according with the uh, word of Moses. 
and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Then, verse 29, then Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, that he may bestow on you a blessing in this day for every man has opposed his son and his neighbor. And he did. In Numbers chapter 1, verse 50 through 53, you'll read that the Levites are the ones that were in charge of the tabernacle. They're the ones that were in charge of all the furnishings and everything out, and they were the ones in charge of moving it. So they were faithful on, on coming to God, and God rewarded them in that task to do that for him, that responsibility. Um, verse 30, Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin. So now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Again, I see another foreshadowing shadowing of, of what Jesus did. Jesus made atonement for our sins. And this is just a foreshadowing of, of what he did. You know, you look at the 40 days, the 40 nights. Is there any parallel there? I, I like it. I can't say for sure. But he was the only one that is capable of doing that. As we're going to read, Moses is a sinner. He can't make atonement for our sin. Only Jesus Christ, only Christ Almighty, who died on the cross for our sins, paid for all of it, rose from the death, can atone for our sin. Yet now, if you will forgive the... Wait, excuse me. Then Moses returned to the Lord... And said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which, has, which you have written. Again, watching the shepherd that has been changed. This guy's... Take me, Lord. Take me. That's not the way that this relation started with these people. So I I love to see what God's done in the shepherd man, Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Now, therefore, go lead the people to the place of which I have spoken of you. Behold, my angel shall be go for you before you. Nevertheless, in that day, I will visit for punishment. I will visit punishment upon them for their sins. So we see that God said no. No. And so what he does is that we find out a lot of them died in the wilderness. Some of them died premature deaths. But sin leads to death. And there was no forgiveness of sin. There was no cross. So God is just and holy and right in his choice to do what he did. But notice that he says, I'm not even going with you guys. I'm going to send the angel ahead of you. And whoever gets to do 33, we'll get into that more. So the Lord plagued the people, became of what they did with, with the calf. With Wait a minute, man. What's that say? So the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron made. Thank you for joining us for this study through the book of Exodus this evening. If you would like more information about Selah Fellowship, please visit us on the web at salafellowship.org. While you are there, 
feel free to check out some of our other messages and past book studies. Thank you again, and God bless.